My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. This morning I'm going to be preaching from the text that we heard read from the gospel according to St. John chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. This is part of Jesus' final words to the disciples in John's gospel. How many of you were in the military or had a father or a mother in the military and moved around a lot when you were kids? Anybody had that experience? I'm sure some of you have or know someone who have. And I've moved many times in my own life too, uh, a few times, uh, from state to state, uh, country to country, not so much as some of the military people have, but I started off in California where I was born, wound up in Oklahoma of all places, uh, found my way to New Jersey, then down to Johannesburg, South Africa, then back up to Orlando, back up to Florida, then from Florida to Pennsylvania. Some of you are like, that's nothing. That's nothing. That's, I lived in all those places last week. <laughs> military for people. God bless you in all the moves that you have to do. If you're military and you're watching this. Because uprooting your life from one place to go somewhere else is tough. And, and you always hope that you're going to be able to forge close friendships and relationships with the new people that you come across as much as strong as you had with the people that you're leaving behind. When I was leaving South Africa, I remember my farewell party that my good friends threw for me. I decided to get out of high school and I bought a, uh, not a yearbook, because we didn't have a yearbook. I bought a, a, a notebook and uh, I, I brought it around to all of my friends and I said, hey guys, guys and gals, write me uh, just write me something, just a little note or something, just so I can have it and bring it back, and, and I, can keep it, I can keep it with me. And some did. Some took it very seriously, and some made uh, just cracked a lot of jokes. But it's interesting, everybody's response, how it completely you know, suited their personalities. And I, I have that notebook still. And when I read it, I actually still sense something of who they are, and something of their care. And I haven't looked at it in a few years, but if you were to ask me, Pastor Mike, where is that notebook? I can tell you exactly where it is, but I'm not going to because it's none of your business. <laughs> but I might dig it out one day and, and, and flip through it once again. And when I do that, the events of my life and the friendships that I made and the loves that I thought I had found overseas, all of that will in some sense still be with me. Now, add to that, I want you to imagine another time or another scenario. And imagine that your very best friend in the entire world, they knew that they were going to be leaving. And you say, like, I don't know, say you lived in the hometown from the hometown show or whatever. And your best friend is, knows that they're leaving. And they're like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving Laurel. But they're not, they don't tell you that they're leaving Laurel. They just kind of keep it on the back burner. And then they surprise you. And then they say, hey, let's have a really long dinner and conversation. And then part of that conversation, they say, you know what? I think I'm going to leave Laurel. Uh, and uh, thanks. It was great. Thanks for the friendship. Yeah, I still love you. We're still great friends. But uh, I, I have to go. And it's better for me that, that I do go. But you would be shocked and, and maybe a little angry. And, and I feel like in this scenario from John's gospel, those two different scenarios kind of 
popped into my head uh, when Jesus tells his disciples that he's, that he's leaving. And Jesus has taught his disciples over the course of a few years. You know, and in his ministry, he's told them, I'm headed to the cross. And they regularly misunderstand the fact that he's headed to the cross. And maybe they, they thought he was playing some type of like long-form joke on them. But he has been the one constant in their lives, and they've left everything to follow him in our Gospel of Mark book study, plug, plug. What Jesus calls James and John, it says they left their father Zebedee in the boats, mending the nets. So while they're in the boat, fixing their nets so they can go fish for a living, Jesus says, follow me. And James and John look at each other, and they go, okay. And they're like, see you, Dad. And they leave the boat, and that's it. And they just go with Jesus. And now Jesus says, it's time. It's time for me to go. And up until this point, they haven't had to worry. But now he announces what is coming to them, and he said, sorrow has filled your hearts. Of course sorrow had filled their hearts. The one that they've walked with and listened to and learned from is leaving. But then he says something odd. He says, It is to your advantage that I go away. It's better for you that I leave. This sounds a little bit like the, you know, it's not you, it's me speech that that gets used for breakups, right? The disciples are wondering, what did we do that he's leaving? What did I say? No, it's, it's it's never that, right? But how is it to their advantage? Now remember, their role isn't the role of the dumb comedic psychic. Jesus has called them for a reason. And in their calling, he did something very important. He gave them his own authority. He sends out the disciples. When you read the Gospels, he says, you go and you heal the sick. And he says, you cast out the evil spirits and preach that the kingdom of God is here. Their own little ministries are all flowing out from Jesus' his own ministry. And he sends them out as his representatives to preach and to teach and to work the the miraculous. This is on-the-job training, and, and they were generally pretty successful. And this is actually very good on the job training because after the resurrection and the ascension, this is what they're going to be doing for the rest of their lives. But notice, after Jesus sends them out like that to heal the sick and to to cast out the evil spirits, Jesus, they have to come back to where he is. They have to come back because all of this flows out from him. But now Jesus is leaving. And where he's going, they can't follow. He has to go away. Because if he doesn't go away, then the helper, the advocate... The counselor, different Bible translations use different words to describe that Greek word parakletos. Helper, advocate, standby, counselor, I think it was in the NIV. The Holy Spirit. If Jesus does not leave, then the Holy Spirit will not come. So that's why it's to their advantage. Because the Holy Spirit will be with them as they go out. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, has three activities. To convict the world of sin, to convict the world of righteousness, and to convict the world of judgment. 
And so that's the title of the sermon this morning, The Three Activities of the Holy Spirit. So the first activity of the Holy Spirit is convicting the world concerning sin. St. John Chrysostom notes that this means that the Holy Spirit cuts off the world's excuses and shows them that they have transgressed unpardonably. And and Jesus says concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So I I think it's fair to say that the transgressions that St. Chrysostom has in mind is not just sinning by breaking God's commandments, but also that that the sin stemming from unbelief. And this should take us back to the past like three or four sermons that I've that I've been preaching here. Uh, We've dealt with this theme about love and belief. Belief in the Son is a constant theme running throughout the Johannine letters and and, and to the Gospel. And he said that those who do not have the Son, uh, sorry, that those who have the Son have life, and those who do not have the Son do not have life. We talked about that last week. Those who do not believe, according to St. Augustine, have nothing in them that would cause them to be forgiven of what they do through ignorance or evil will. But those who are Christ's, the Spirit dwells in them. Those who believe in Christ and place their hope in Christ are those who the Spirit will use, like the apostles, to bring the conviction of sin. It's not enough to say, oh yeah, sure, I believe in Jesus. It's not just a mere belief, like a mental belief, right? Because that belief has to translate into faithfulness to him and trust in him. And we even have to know who it is that we're believing on in the first place, right? When we read the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is just walking by and the demons are going, why are you bothering us, Son of God? And Jesus tells them to shut up because he doesn't want them testifying to who he is. Even the demons know who he is. There's no denying who Jesus is. There's no denying it. Even they know. Right? And even other religions like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, they all believe in Jesus. But the Jesus that they believe in isn't the Jesus of Scripture. It's not the Jesus of the Gospels. It's not the Jesus of Holy Scripture. It's a different Jesus. And who Jesus is, we confess that a little bit earlier in the Nicene Creed, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, who for us and our salvation came down from heaven, incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. That's the belief in Jesus that we're talking about here. It's not just some generalized belief in Jesus. Oh, I believe in Jesus. He was a really nice guy. No, that's not what that's talking about. Because even the demons believe. The knowledge of who Jesus is doesn't drive them to repent. But brothers and sisters, when we place our trust and hope in Jesus as revealed to us in Scripture, the conviction of the Spirit confronts the sin of unbelief in our hearts, driving us towards one way or another, acceptance or rejection. The next one is convicting the world of righteousness. Jesus says concerning righteousness, because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. So one thing we see in the Gospels 
is people continually accusing Jesus of being a sinner and even being possessed by demons. But Jesus is not a sinner because he is the righteous one. He is the one who's calling sinners to actual repentance. And when Jesus is brought before Pilate and before the Sanhedrin, they only bring witnesses against him who were able to twist his words. Jesus says, destroy, uh, um, he says, destroy the temple and I will rebuild it in three days, which is a reference to his death and resurrection. And they say to get him in trouble, oh yeah, he said he was going to destroy the temple and fix it in three days. It took, uh, well, this isn't Solomon's temple. That one's been long destroyed. This is the second temple. It took years to build this temple and Herod finished it up and it took decades. And you're going to do it in three days? Jesus is destroying everything. They have to bear false witness against him. But Jesus is the righteous one. He is the one who has committed no sin. Jesus is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, who St. John, the forerunner, the baptizer, said, takes away the sins of the world. Jesus will be raised from the dead and will ascend to the Father. And this is his vindication. This is the sign that he is, in fact, the righteous one and the sinless one. And his leaving them is a witness to his saving acts for them. Because the Father is not going to receive to himself a sinful man, but a righteous one. Because we know sin cannot stand in the presence of God. The third activity of the Spirit is convicting the world of judgment. Commentator named Mayer, he said this, of, of this, the Holy Spirit will convict the world dependent on the dominion of the devil in order that the world, in acknowledgement of the sinfulness of its unbelief and of the holy righteousness of the Christ rejected by it, may turn its back in penitence on the prince of the world over whom already sentence has been pronounced. Right, so Meyer, he notes here that the sentence against Satan has been pronounced by the death and resurrection and ascension of work of Jesus Christ. Judged guilty, right? You've been weighed, what is it, weighed, <laughs> found wanting, I, I can't remember now. So the sentence has been pronounced over Satan, right? The world is in unbelief, and they reject the righteousness of Christ, and they turn its back on Christ. But the Spirit helps us to acknowledge our sinfulness it helps us to receive the righteousness of Christ and then to turn our backs on the prince of the world instead of turning our backs on God. And Satan is judged by the work of Jesus and it stands to reason that those aligned with Satan will share that judgment. Hence the Spirit's mission to empower the disciples to bring that saving work of Jesus to the world. And that's the point of Pentecost to the world. When, when, when Cindy read that passage from the book of Acts, what's going on there is something very important. Because what we see in the Old Testament is the judgment of God against sinful nations and how they are then scattered. And then we see all throughout the prophetic literature of the Old Testament, God's call to bring those scattered people back. And then he's going to create... His people combining, excuse me, the microphone pop, combining those who have been scattered, he's bringing them back with those of Israel who have been faithful, which is why we have the miracle on Pentecost of tongues. And that word tongues means languages, glossa. 
It means languages, okay? So when we read the book of Acts, you have these Jewish believers, not, not Jewish, they're not Christians yet, they, they will be in about 10 seconds, right? But these, these Jews and people who have converted to Judaism from other religions are visiting Jerusalem from all over the Roman Empire. And it says they hear in their own languages the wondrous works of God. So when the Holy Spirit descends, he's undoing something that we see happening in the Old Testament. That should make us think of the Tower of Babel. When mankind got together and God comes down and mixes up their language, that's an act of judgment. Pentecost is undoing what happened at Babel. So God can bring all people back into himself. That's the point of Pentecost, and that's the mission of the apostles. That God is creating one new people out of all. And I'm only mentioning this because it's in the news right now. And whenever Israel gets mentioned in the news, there's certain Christian groups who will uncritically support the nation of Israel because they believe that the modern-day nation-state of Israel is bound up with you know, end-times prophecy. And we don't have a lot of time to dig into that, but you may have friends and family who believe that, right? So they say, we have to support Israel because the Jews are God's chosen people. Well, no. The church is God's chosen people. And then someone will say, well, that's just replacement theology. No, that's not replacement theology. That's the scriptures. This is what the scriptures attest to. That ethnicity is not what makes you God's people. That should be a big one for us, especially in our day and age with what we're struggling in right now. Ethnicity does not make you a member of God's people. What makes you a part of God's covenant people is faith in Jesus Christ. And Israel is not the nation state of Israel that was, came back together in 1947 or 1948. Israel is the church. The church made up from the Jews who believed and then those who were scattered and brought back on the day of Pentecost. God is not creating a different people. He's combining all people together those who have been convicted of sin, of righteousness, righteousness and coming judgment by the Holy Spirit, those who receive the call to turn to Christ, become part of God's people, the church. And that is God's plan. And so, brothers and sisters, let us, this Pentecost, recall our own baptism and our own reception of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then let us go out as the apostles did and begin to talk about the goodness and the love of God, of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us, and faith in his name, and what faith in his name has done for us, and what it can do for the world, for those who will repent and believe. And so, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who asked his Father to send us the Holy Spirit. We all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-creating Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. 
If you have a few minutes, I'd like to ask you to go to GoFundMe.com slash Zionstone Church Repair Fund. Our bell tower is in need of some major renovation and repairs, and we could use whatever help you're able to give to us. If you'd like to find out more about us, check us out on our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC, or on our website, ZionstoneUCC.com. Thanks again for listening. I pray that these sermons will continue to strengthen you in your walk with Jesus Christ. And may the blessings of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you.